0: Good morning, ICF Rome family, Thursday Connect family. It is Thursday, November the 19th, 2020, and we are here to absolutely decree and declare. I got to get situated a little bit. Decree and declare that God is faithful. Amen. He's so faithful. He's given us life. My, I want you to see that. It says Bella Vida but I need to be right here so I can see you. So if you're joining me online for Thursday Connect, tell me hi in the chat. You have time, if you didn't already get it, to get yourself a hot cup of tea or something warm or cold if you're in a hot place. Hi, my sweet Barb, here's your air hug. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Good morning, bright and early. Hi, Bettina. Yay! Joining from Copenhagen. We're happy to see you. This is a month of refreshing in God's presence, continuing to study Isaiah and uh, the, the, the Be Comforted series from Warren Weirsey. It's just been a really great book. And, um, so I will say it again later, but I'm just so thankful. Hi, Borjana. good morning. I'm so thankful for all my friends that are part of Thursday Connect because you have just encouraged my heart and reminded me how valuable we are that I'm not alone either in the middle of all this pandemic and restrictions. God is in charge. Type it in, God is in charge. We sometimes forget, uh, thank you for those hugs and kisses. Hi Esther, God's in charge. If we're his kids, he's in charge. So we don't have to worry or fear or fret, whatever is happening. You know, last night we had a powerful hour of power prayer meeting right here on ICF Realm Facebook page. And normally, I'm able afterwards to sort of boost and share. So it goes out to all of our friends and your friends so that you can watch it if you missed it. Hi, Eunicea. But I want you, if you were not a part of Wednesday night prayer, you have to click on it yourself. Scroll up in the feed. See the video from last night with Pastor Rick and I. You'll know it's from last night because uh, I had white glasses on last night. We had such a sweet spirit of peace descend on us during our prayer time. And so, as I was saying, that um, for some reason, Facebook, big tech, whatever, they were blocking us from sharing it after the prayer meeting. So you have to go on it yourself. But if you have an hour or 30 minutes and some alone time, it it was just a really precious time of thanksgiving prayer and the peace of God that descended upon us. And in this time of turmoil, don't we all need peace? Amen. So yes, God is in charge and we are excited for that. My dear friend Mary Kieri will be joining me a little bit later. I also want to let you know that for the next few weeks, starting next week through December, we will be doing some very special vignettes of Thursday Connect, and so some of my friends are going to be recording um, videos of what the promises in Isaiah mean to us. It's going to be a shorter version, so you'll only need about 30 minutes on Thursday morning, so that we we usually take a break in December, but we're not going to totally break, so there'll be shorter sessions on Thursday, starting next week and through the month of december even on christmas eve the lord gave me a powerful word already for us for just that little vignette of god this is your day and it's your month and it's your celebration and so i'm excited about the promises in isaiah so lord today i just ask right now that you be with all my friends that are joining us for this study i thank you for my friends like Amy and Lisa, who don't always, aren't able to join at the moment, but they join and watch later. God, you know, you've healed Amy's mom Um, miraculously. She is out of the hospital and doing great and recovering. And so Lord, today, I just thank you that you're going to illuminate your word to us in Jesus' name, because you're in charge. Amen. Amen. So today we are starting Isaiah Chapter 6, Storm Clouds Over Jerusalem. Storm Clouds Over Jerusalem. It's on page 85. And, you know, I've said it before. I love to talk about the promises. I love to talk about the good news. Uh, but we would not have the good news if we didn't understand what the bad news could do. We would not have the promise of heaven if we did not understand um you know, the, the possibility of hell. It's, it's there's a right and a wrong, a dark and a light. We have to understand it. And in this world, so many want us just to make it all peachy keen and easy does it. And so, um, in fact, as we look at this beginning of Isaiah chapter, uh, it's starting with chapter 28. But here, here, this explains it for me. It says in Isaiah 30, Uh, starting with verse 8 Isaiah 30 verse 8 it says write on a tablet for them inscribe it in a scroll so that for the days to come there will be an everlasting witness these are rebellious people deceitful children children unwilling to follow the Lord's instruction Isaiah 30 verse 8 and verse 9 and 10 9 says they're rebellious, deceitful, unwilling to listen. Not even, right here, it's not even saying obey. It's just saying unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, see no more visions. They tell the prophets, don't give us any more visions of what is right. Hi, Shanta. Happy to see you. Good morning, Mary. Thank you for joining us. In fact, in verse 10 of Isaiah 30, it says, Just tell us the pleasant things, prophesy illusions, leave this way and get off the path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Well, when I read that, it was like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, sometimes you have to confront in order to provide the comforter. Sometimes you have to confront in order to provide the comforter, the Holy One of Israel. So as we look at these storm clouds over Jerusalem, you know, we could look symbolically in Isaiah chapters 28 through 31 at what does Jerusalem represent? It was Jerusalem itself means the city of peace, and it is depicted as a strong city. But we know that Jerusalem has had more conflict than they have had peace. Even today, Jerusalem is a focal point for concern in the Middle East. It's a city built on a rock, on a holy mountain. Because when there's true peace in Jerusalem, why does the Bible tell us to focus on Jerusalem? Because when there's true peace in Jerusalem, there will be peace in the world. And Jerusalem is a representative of us as God's children. You know, we've learned that he said on the just and on the unjust, but he also said for the Gentiles, and good morning, Frisia, and happy birthday yesterday. What a blessed celebration you had with some of your friends and co-workers. We celebrate with you. Happy birthday. Uh, The storm clouds over Jerusalem, if we are a representation of the children of God, the chosen ones of the Lord. We also have storm clouds over our lives that we have to look at. And so today, we are going to look at the six woes of Jerusalem, the six warnings that Isaiah gives from Isaiah 28 to 31. And so I think some of my friends have had the notes, and uh, I don't know if you can see it, Mary typed it out for me very succinctly, the Lord warns. The Lord humbles, the Lord appeals, the Lord rebukes, the Lord defends, and the Lord delivers. Now, when we look at the book of Isaiah and we see what Isaiah is talking about, we can recognize that interspersed with these warnings of judgment, there are also promises of restoration and glory so all of us as God's girls and boys and men and women of faith we must remember that the storm clouds of warning and the predictions of terrible in God's kingdom there is always a promise of redemption and restoration somebody needs to type that in In God's kingdom, there is always a promise of redemption and restoration. So today, in our interactive, as we start, just to have something fun, uh, I want you to type in the chat. I want you to imagine that we're all sitting around the table. We've been talking about what have you been doing these last couple weeks? Have you been stocking up on things in preparation for limited going out? Um... So I want you to type in the chat, you don't have to type your whole recipe, what is your favorite thing to cook when you're stuck at home for a few days? Okay, type it in the chat. This is our interaction around the table. What is your favorite thing, your go-to recipe to cook when you're stuck at home and you can't go out for a few days? Type it in the chat. Come on, I want to see some of those recipes from all around the world. Hi, Celine. Baleen, good to see you. God bless you. Awesome. Hi, Boriana. What is your favorite thing to cook when you're sort of stuck at home? Well, I am a soup and chili person. If I can throw it all in one pot. (laughs) Chicken spaghetti, Michelle, awesome. Boryana, you said soup and pizza. Courtney said taco pasta. That's, that's sort of an oxy thing. I don't know how that goes together. Taco pasta. I'm <laughs> oh, glad to see you. Chicken spaghetti. Yes. Barb you just made a big pot of soup. What kind of soup Barb? What kind of soup did you make? I have been making soup. I love 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 the fresh vegetables. Cheesecake, Frisia, Pastor Rick would love for you to make him a cheesecake, Shanta, chicken curry, okay, awesome, Uh, we want to know what kind of soup Barb just made, I mean like did you just make it this morning, you're already up, soup and pizza, yay Amy, I'm glad you're on, all you people typing pizza, is it homemade, Amy, oh cabbage soup, yes, very good Barb, that's all, that's good for cleansing you too. Um, Amy and somebody else said pizza. Boriana, are you making it homemade, like, from scratch? Tell me, is it homemade pizza or are you doing a frozen pizza? I used to do homemade pizza a long time ago. It's homemade. <laughs> Amy, you're my hero. But, Amy, tell us how long you've lived in Italy. How long has Amy lived in Italy? Because, of course, you know how to make homemade pizza really awesome. And you got three daughters in the kitchen with you. My three daughters aren't there to help me. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, how long have you lived in Italy? Let me see. Eunicia, she likes making sauces. Boriana, make it from scratch. You guys are awesome. Okay, after this, you're going to have to send me a message. 20 years. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've been coming and ministering in italy for over 20 years amy but i've lived here for six and a half awesome asian and german food my favorite somebody's bringing me uh some spring rolls i think on sunday uh stir fry nana oh that's my favorite too okay well i know we're in italy and so we're supposed to love all that pasta but thanks for thanks for interacting in the chat that's so fun So, when we're thinking about the storm clouds, we have to remember that God always gives us food for our soul. And that's what he's done here in the book of Isaiah. And if we look at Isaiah 28 and this first warning that the Lord warns Jerusalem from Isaiah 28. Mary, you wrote me some beautiful notes. Um, Tell us what Psalm says to us about the holy city. Mary Carey, when you're there in just a moment. Um, Isaiah depicts the storm clouds. This indicated there would be trouble coming to the people, but he warned them to repent and turn to God. Remember a couple weeks ago, we said inquire, return, and seek the Lord. Inquire, ask the question. Yes, why do we have to? Inquire, return, and seek the Lord. There's a reason why we look at the peace of Jerusalem. It is a representation of us. It is God's promise. It is God's plan. And um, we know that God loves all, and there is the redemption for all. And so as Christians, we need to remember that God has a peace for those storm clouds, and he promised that peacemaker to come. But he saw that it was a time for the nation to begin to turn to God. I also want to remind you that in Isaiah's character, we see that he was patriotic. He loved his nation and, and its people. He said, my people, 26 times in the book of Isaiah. But he hated sin and the sham of religion, and he was bold and courageous to speak the word of God with truth. And so he begins his message, in Isaiah twenty-eight one through six, by announcing the judgment on Ephraim. Um, so he's given a woe to this holy city. He's he's talking from twenty-eight and twenty-nine. He's talking about what happens. I love in my life application study Bible that it says the woe to Ephraim, woe to the wreath. Row to the prideful, this fading flower, the the glorious beauty is gonna ripen like a fig in the tree. Um, and but that he will have a spirit of justice or source of strength. Okay, it goes on to, to give more, and then there's this reply to the woe in my life application bible. The woe, and then this is what the sovereign Lord says. He said in Isaiah 28, verse um, 16, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts in God's foundation will never be dismayed. I love this next part. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. A plumb line is where when you're trying to put something straight it, it lets you know if it's level or not. So righteousness, living in right standing with God helps us to know if we are walking in that right standing place, if our paths will be level and righteousness will sweep away all of these things. Okay. And so as we look at this, the Lord says in verse 23, listen and hear my voice, pay attention and hear what I say, verse 26, his God instructs him and teaches him the right way. So I want us to look a little bit. We're on page 86 of Be Comforted. And one of the things it says about this judgment and the fall of Assyria and um, what God is saying through Isaiah to the, to the people of Jerusalem, this warning is that the Lord was appalled by their drunkenness. To the Jews, wine was a gift from God and a source of joy. In Judges chapter 9 and Psalm 104, and we know here in Italy we have lots of vineyards, but the law, according to the old scripture, did not demand total abstinence, but it did warn against drunkenness in many places. The prophet Amos Denounce the luxurious indulgences of the people in both Judah and Samaria in Amos chapter 6 and Isaiah. I thought this was kind of a sad representation of America. Someone once said this is just from the book. There's three parties in Washington, D.C., the Democrat Party, the Republican Party, and the cocktail party where they drink. And so many people don't realize that alcohol and nicotine do far more lethal damage even than some illegal drugs, according to Dr. Arnold Wanton. What hope is there for our affluent, pleasure-loving society that gives lip service to religion and ignores the tragic consequences of sin and judgment to come? Samaria... Jerusalem was becoming proud of her beauty, but that beauty, according to chapter 28, verse 1 and 4, was fading like a cut flower. Their proud city would be destroyed by wind, rain, hail, and flood the Assyrian army. And on that day of judgment, Samaria would learn too late that Jehovah, not Samaria, is the crown of glory. And the diadem of beauty. He is the God of justice. And so they were not only swallowed up, they not only swallowed wine, they were swallowed up on wine, it says in Isaiah 28 verse 7. And so when we look at this, what to me, what that says, they stagger from wine, they reel from beer, Priests and prophets stagger from beer. They're befuddled with wine. They reel from beer. They stagger when seeing visions. They stumble when trying to make a decision. It even goes on to say their tables are covered with vomit. Who is he trying to teach? To whom is he explaining his message? Do, do, do. Rule rule A Little here, little there. Very well with foreign lips and strange tongues, God speaks to his people, but there is a resting place for those who are weary. God always offers the, he gives us the prerequisites. He gives us the parameters for righteousness and right living, and he is giving a warning, not only to Jerusalem, but to us. To not be succumbed with the storm clouds and to wash away our woes with with drink and drunkenness. That is not what God wants. And in fact, you know, many of you know my story that my mother was killed by a drunk driver when I was 15 and she was 39. And so I, I never drank. I never will drink. And it's just something. But I thought this was a powerful statement. It says that first the man takes a drink. Then the drink takes a drink, and then the drink takes the man. If you have to excuse and explain away your drunkenness, may I tell you and submit to you that that's just a symbolism of trying to wash away what God is trying to make you confront. And so as we look at these warnings for Jerusalem, I'm not zeroing in on the drinking of the grape vineyard. I'm zeroing in on saying I'm going to camouflage all the judgment and I'm going to be like it says in Isaiah chapter 30. I read it to you a while ago where they were saying, tell them, don't give us any more visions of what's right and wrong. Tell us the pleasant things. I am going to tell you the pleasant things because I believe in them. But I'm also going to tell you that Judah's confidence that God would not judge them, was a delusion. See, pride was one of their sins. And Pastor Rick and I were even talking about it this morning. I, I don't want to be a proud American. I want to be a humble American. I don't want to be a proud Italian because I have dual citizenship. I want to be a humble Italian. I know I have blonde hair with some other kind of roots, but I'm telling you, I want to be humble before the Lord because we know that pride goes before the fall. But sometimes strength of character is mislabeled as pride. Strength of character in Christ is not being, I'm proud of who God is. I'm confident in who God is. And I don't need to be wimpy or weak when I promote the good news of the gospel and I can give grace while I still give truth. And this is what Isaiah is saying to us. It wasn't only pride and drunkenness. They, Judah, had mocked God's prophet and rejected God's word. Look at verse 9. Who is he trying to teach? That's what Israel, that's what Jerusalem was saying about Isaiah. Who is he trying to teach? Who is he trying to explain this message to? Telling us all the rules. Well, you know what? When you drive on the road, there's rules. And if you don't obey the rules, you're not going to get to go very far, right? So if there is a rule that we need to follow, it is not to mock the Holy Spirit, not to mock God's men and women, not to mock the word of God. And here's what our study says on page 87 down towards the bottom, people become so intoxicated with intellectual pride that they laugh at the simple message of the gospel presented by humble witnesses. Evangelist D.L. Moody was laughed at because his speech was not polished, but God used him to bring many thousands to the Savior. So I want you to think about something as we look at what hope there might be for this storm that God allows, that God said, go ahead, they're, they're, they've sinned, they, they think they know more than the prophet of God, they think they know more than the word of God that is coming forth, and they've become proud in what they think they know, and so there was coming, according to page 87, a fall of Assyria, which was Judah's rival kingdom, but it would be a short-lived joy, Judah rejoices and celebrates to hear the prophet Isaiah announce the fall of this rival kingdom. They didn't know they were also guilty of the same sins, and they would stagger and reel from all of this. Why would Judah be included in the judgment with their enemy? I've already said it once. What was one of the things that Judah was being judged for? What was one of those warnings to Jerusalem? Tell me in the chat, what was one thing, starts with a P, what was one thing Isaiah was warning us to be careful of, that Israel, that Jerusalem was being warned of? I believe What was one thing? Pride. Pride was detestable to God, and the Lord was horrified at the way they abused. Thank you, Amy. At the way they abused. God made the grapes, and he made drinks from the fruit of the land, but they misused what God had provided, and so we as Christians, I believe God is speaking to all of us in this time that we be careful that we are not so confident in what the scripture says that we're proud and haughty, but instead that we let grace flow through us. And we say there is a truth. There is a, there is a penalty for sin. There is a judgment. Thank you, Shanta. There is a judgment that God will give us if we become proud, because then we say it's all about me and how much I know. And instead, it has to be all about God. Amen, Frisia. Amen. And so Ezekiel says in thirty three eleven, say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord. Remember, we've talked about this verse many times, Ezekiel 33 11. the sovereign Lord says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die? People of Israel. Proverbs 24:17 and 18 says, do not rejoice and gloat when your enemy falls and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles or the Lord will see your gloating and pride and be displeased and turn his anger away. What a pitiful suggestion when the Lord is reminding us of this counsel. Because Judah mocked, and rejected God's word and God's servant. They ridiculed him. Who is he trying to teach? Woe to those who talk carelessly. I want to give it to you again. Ezekiel thirty-three eleven. God is saying, the sovereign Lord says, I don't take pride in the death of the wicked. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But there is a warning to be careful of. Proverbs 13.3 in the message says, careful words make for a careful life. Careless talk may ruin everything. Proverbs 21.23 says, watch your words and hold your tongue and you'll save yourself a lot of grief. Wow. I don't know if we can see those. Proverbs 13.3 and 21.23. Those are two powerful reminders how our words make such a difference in what God is saying to each of us. When you think about the woes and the warning in Isaiah, how does knowing the warnings from the Lord preserve our life? How does accepting the warnings of not being prideful, not yielding to drunkenness, not mocking God's servant, how does the warnings of God's punishment preserve our life? I'm telling you what, I do not want to be like Isaiah 30, verse 10, where they said, don't tell us any more visions of what is right. Tell us the pleasant things. Well, I want to tell you the present things, but they said prophesy illusions. Just tell us something we want to hear. There is a truth, and the word is truth, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So tell me in the chat, how does knowing the warning of the punishment preserve your life? For me, one of the ways that the warning of the punishment preserves my life is that it keeps me from, it. it's like letting the Holy Spirit check me when I have a bad attitude, yes? Strength of character is misunderstood. (laughs) Thank you, Mary, for reminding that. I think we're on a little bit of a, a delay here, so thank you. Sorry if I'm not responding right when you are. Proverbs 13.3 and 21.23 talk about our words. But I'm asking you, how does knowing the penalty and the punishment for sin and rebellion preserve you as you try to live for Jesus? For me, when I start to get a bad attitude, yes, Barb, it helps us stay on track. Um... It reminds me, take a deep breath, (laughs) let it go. Maybe I'm not supposed to be talking about that right now. Another thing it reminds me to do is to turn back to the Lord. That's what Isaiah was saying here in these warnings. Always there would be the woe, and then there would be this is what the sovereign Lord says, right? In repentance and rest, Isaiah 30, verse 15. In repentance and rest is your salvation and quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. So Isaiah is saying the Lord gives you this prerequisite, and as you walk in salvation and rest and repentance, you're going to have a quietness and a trust that is going to be your strength. So maybe for all of us, um, if we're trusting in something we shouldn't be trusting in, and we're feeling weak and frustrated, maybe we need to return to the Redeemer and repent. We know that the Bible says if we humble ourselves and repent, we'll hear from heaven and he will heal our land. And I know many of our lands need healing physically, we need healing spiritually, Um, but I want us to be reminded that there are these woes And we are hearing the woes and the warnings all over the news and the media. But there is also a reason for that, so that we stay in that right path with the Lord. Amen? Society often gets overwhelmed by this intellectual pride, and we need to be careful that we listen to what the Scripture says. I'm looking to see if I have any other comments joining me here. 1 Corinthians one eighteen through 18-31 says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing and spiritually dead because they reject it. But to those of us who are saved by God's grace, it is the manifestation of the power of God. For it is written and forever remains, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the philosophy of the philosophers, and the cleverness of the clever who do not know me. I will nullify. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not exposed the foolishness of this world's wisdom? For Jews demanding signs and Greeks pursue wisdom and philosophy, but we preach Christ crucified, a message for Jews, which is sometimes a stumbling block, because those who are prideful have put it more in what they do than what Jesus does. Amen? Amen. To not focus on the bad, but on good things. That's right, Freesia. God helps us so that we know there's a promise of redemption. So it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, look at your calling, believers. Not many wise according to human standards, not many powerful or influential, not <clears throat> not many of high and noble birth, but God has selected the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has selected for his purpose the weak things of the world <clears throat> to shame those who are strong, so that no one may be able to boast in the presence of God, but it is from him, verse 1 corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 it is from him that you are in christ jesus who became to us the wisdom of god and the sanctification of god so then it is written he who boasts and glories remember that strength of character is not pride the strength of trusting in god is not pride let him boast in the glory of the lord Boy, I can tell you, one of the things I see from Pastor Rick when he's preaching is a holy confidence. It is a boldness, not about who he is. It is the unction of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that he is so confident this is who my God is he will pour the oil into the jar lady's little empty jar and it will keep pouring until it overflows and takes care of her for the rest of her life this is the promise of redemption when we live trusting in the righteousness of the Lord so as we are looking at these six warnings to Jerusalem We see in Isaiah 28 that the Lord has warned Jerusalem about pride and drunkenness and the hypocrisy of questioning the man of God or the the word of God that was coming forth. If the word of God, and it will bear witness with the Holy Bible, if a human being says, I have a word from the Lord, that word from the Lord better be in agreement with the Holy Scripture of God. Otherwise, it's just a word from a man and so we must be careful about that but i want you to know that when the holy scripture bears witness with the holy spirit when the holy scripture bearing witness with the holy spirit comes through the mouthpiece of holy men and women our job is to give that news that god does not want pride or drunkenness or mockery of the scripture to happen and I'll tell you, it's uh, it's on my personal Facebook page, but the Holy Spirit was really speaking to me this week about we need to be careful, ladies and gentlemen, that we believe the word of God because it may not be politically correct to believe and declare these woes, these warnings to Jerusalem. Let me tell you, It may not be politically correct i said i'll rather go to heaven being politically incorrect and unpopular than to go to heaven on a popular train i'd rather go to heaven being politically incorrect and unpopular but biblically based and biblically sound than to go to hell being popular with a whole bunch of people and so today i encourage you believe the warnings believe the promise of redemption but know that pride has no place in God's kingdom but confidence in who God is and that his promise has been predicted and fulfilled time and time again how powerful is that God sees beyond our physical value he chooses to use us to accomplish his purpose it is a powerful thing when we continue to believe in the whole book, the thread that runs through from Genesis to Revelation. We've studied that seamless thread in our book study before. That What is this thread that runs through? God creates. Man gets blessed, and then man gets prideful, and man sins and falls. But God has a redemption plan, and God redeems And restores and puts us on a new path again. So, just in case, just in case you thought that you had failed one too many times, there's nothing that you can't ask God for that He can't forgive you again and again and again. Amen. There is confidence that He is a redeeming Savior. Well, when we look at Isaiah chapter 29, we see that the Lord humbles us. The Lord humbles Jerusalem. This is the warning, and we must be cautious of this warning. That there is an altar, a hearth, where the burnt offerings—I'm on page 89—were sacrificed. I'm skipping over just a little bit. Let me go back to uh, let me go back to this for a second. Their only hope, Isaiah. Uh, I'm sorry, page 88. This leads to Isaiah's third announcement. God offers his people rest, but they will not obey his word. The prophet had given them a plain message that everyone could understand, but their faith was in political alliances, not in God. They had even made a secret treaty with Assyria, and in the days of King Hezekiah, they turned to Egypt for help, making covenants with the dead, and they were destined to fail because God was not in them. The enemy would come in like a flood, and there would be no escape. And Judah would be saved by the skin of her teeth. The bed they made for alliances would not give them rest. But their hope, their hope, what is that blessed hope? Their hope was in the foundation of the true cornerstone. 28 verse 16. 28 Verse 16: See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. If you trust in that foundation, that rock of ages, this is definitely a reference to the Messiah, and it's interpreted in the New Testament in First Peter 2. 4 through 7. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 7. I want to read that to you real quick. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 7. Here's that thread. It's in the Old Testament, it's in Isaiah, then we see it in the New Testament. Now we're the New Testament church and we see the promises fulfilled. We're living it out. We're seeing that they've trusted in nations and in political powers and political parties, and and now even today, I was hearing witness of those who are trusting in the in the drunkenness and the and the um, things that people use to saturate their lives. God is saying, "You got to be in right standing with me." So, but here's the promise from First Peter two four: "As you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by men." Remember, I said, I'd rather go to heaven, unpopular with men, but popular with God and chosen by God, precious to him. You also like living stones are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Here it is in the New Testament written by people who came way after Isaiah, but they see this thread of truth that cannot be denied. In 1 Peter 2, 4 through 7. See, here's that same verse that we just read in Isaiah 28. I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never, type it in the chat, never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, It is a stone that will cause men to stumble and a rock that will make them fall, but they stumble because they disobey the message. That is 1 Peter 2, verse 8. They stumble because they disobey the message. 1 Peter 2, verse 8. They stumble because they disobey the prerequisites, the protocols, the procedures of a heavenly government that has descended upon our lives as God's children. 1 Peter 2, verse 8 says they stumble because they disobey the message. But here we go. 1 Peter 2, 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Remember Jerusalem, the holy nation? Now God is saying you're the holy nation, a people belonging to God. Why? 1 Peter two nine. Why? Why are you a people that belongs to God so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God once you did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. <laughs> I mean, I just wish we were all together right now. Because this is what Isaiah is saying from Jerusalem. Be careful. There's a warning. We want you to be humble, Jerusalem. Watch what you're doing. This is what the prophetic is speaking to us. God wants to deliver his people and the enemy's victory will vanish. Mm once you were not a people first peter 2 9 says once you did not have the mercy of god but now you know now you rest on that cornerstone in zion that city that rests on a hill that can't be that rock that rock that is unmovable amen that rock that is unmovable why so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness Okay, so we can't be prideful with our intellect. We can't be prideful with what we know. I love all of you cooks, and you can be proud and confident that you did your recipe well, and I'm sure it is, what do they do in Italy? Buonissima. It is perfect and wonderful. I'm sure your favorite recipe is amazing. But I will stay humble before the Lord, and I will say, you know what? There's always another way. Maybe somebody else puts more garlic in their soup or more fresh basil in their soup, or maybe they add a different color of an onion. Pastor Rick is very specific about what color onions we use for different things when we're cooking. The Bible says to Jerusalem, be careful. God was going to humble the proud city. The entire city would become an altar and God would make his people a sacrifice. When did these things happen? God began to turn up the heat in 701 BC. I'm on page 89 in the book. On the right-hand side down a little bit. When Assyria marched triumphantly through Judah, Judah and almost took Jerusalem. Oh, listen to this. Isn't it exciting to study? Why did, when did this happen? In 701 BC, before the birth of Christ. But in in chapter 37, verse 36, it says God defeated Assyria in an instant. Suddenly, 29, verse 5, suddenly, Isaiah, let me go back to my Isaiah, 29, verse 5. How does this excite you? How does the promise of what God is going to do excite you? Tell me, it's not just me, it can't just be me that gets excited. I love to see how the Bible is true from cover to cover. It's relevant, you don't have to take any part of the scripture out. If God put something in place in the Old Testament and Jesus came to break the laws, but Jesus said, there are still laws that govern. We must stay true to that path of righteousness. We must still honor what God tells us to do. We must honor the laws of the land. Unless, of course, one day we have to do something different, but we must honor because God says when we're humble, when we seek the Lord, when we stand in right standing, yes, Yes, Mary, we are assured that hope. Here's what I want you to see. 29 verse 5. Your many enemies will become like fine dust, the ruthless hordes like bone chaff. Suddenly in an instant, the Lord Almighty will come, with thunder and an earthquake and the windstorm and the tempest and the hordes of the nations that fight. And we can go on. He was stunned and be stunned and amazed. Be drunk, but not from wine. (laughs) Stagger, but not from beer. The Lord will bring you out of a deep sleep. He will cover your heads. For you, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in a scroll and if you give the scroll to someone who can read and say to him, read this, and he says, I can't because it's sealed. Or if you give the scroll to someone who cannot read and say, read this, and he will answer and say, I don't know how to read. I'm on Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Listen, we got to be close to Jesus. Amen. Hi, you Ready? Stay close to the path of righteousness, amen, and understand that there is that thread. God puts things in place, but when his people, when nations veer off of that, when they don't live according to scripture and they let pride and drunkenness come in, and then the intellect begins to take authority over the word of God, we must never let intellect take authority over the word of God never let intellect take authority over the word of God. God says, I want you to be humble because there will be a suddenly when God will come in. And in scripture, we see, in this woe, even some talking about the end times, the battle of Armageddon, even though that particular title is not referred to, but we see it in Revelations chapter 14, Revelations chapter 16, when it looks as though the city is about to fall, and the enemies are sure of victory, Jesus Christ will return and deliver his people, and the enemy's victory will vanish. The enemy's victory will vanish. Oh, I love that. The enemy's victory will vanish. I've got another passage right here. Psalm 19. I mean, Isaiah 19. 11 to 21. Hang on one second. Isaiah 19, verse 22, Isaiah 19, verse 22, they will turn to the Lord, well, look, Isaiah 19, verse 22, the Lord will strike Egypt, in this case, even we can say there's a symbolism there, those who are not paying attention to God, those who are rejecting, they've let intellect and other things come above Him, amen, amen, intellect not internet but that's true too already never let intellect like our intelligence but also the internet please don't let the internet take over the word of god that is so powerful i love that that's awesome isaiah chapter 19 verse 22 the lord will strike egypt with a plague he will strike them and heal them they will turn to the lord he will respond to their pleas, and he will heal them. Here it is, that promise of judgment, that warning of judgment. We see in our book on page 90 that the Lord appeals to Jerusalem in Isaiah 29, talking about these devious political tactics that we see rampant all over the world, even today, how relevant the scripture This book that was written in the 1990s and now us in the year 2020, the Holy Scripture is still relevant. That intellect, political tactics, knowledge, trying to figure it all out in our political strategies. But one day God would turn everything around by establishing his kingdom on earth. There is coming a day when the Messiah would be born. That's what Isaiah was happening. We see that Jesus came. There is coming a day when there will be a battle and the Lord will come back to reign with us on this earth and the kingdom of heaven will be amazing. The he- the kingdom in heaven and the millennial reign, all of that, you can study Isaiah and Revelation together. There will be no more scoffers or ruthless people practicing injustice in the courts. That was written in the 1990s. I'm on page 91 in the book. There would be no more scoffers or ruthless people practicing justice. The Lord is appealing to us. In light of this glorious future, why would Judah turn to feeble nations and not back to the Lord? I got five minutes and we're on the number four woe. The Lord rebukes Jerusalem. And we will finish up those woes when we come back after um for the next five weeks we are going to be talking about the promises in isaiah and so we will come back to the live book study um where we'll actually go through the chapters after the holidays but starting next week we will begin to to uh, leading up to christmas and our celebration of the birth of jesus the promises in isaiah that are so so powerful and so today i want you to look at what the lord is saying to us in isaiah chapter 30 verse 15 in repentance and rest is your salvation in quietness and trust is your strength verse 18 of chapter 30 the lord longs to be gracious to you he rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. Oh, how, oh, people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears you, he will answer you. He will give you the, he will be with you. He will say, This is the way, walk in it. You can read the scripture. You can see the, the warnings. You can see the path and the protocol and the guidelines that the Lord puts forward. But He is saying in Isaiah chapter 30, you'll weep no more. How gracious He'll be. When He hears you, He will answer you. Mm. Verse 29 of Isaiah 30, you'll sing as on the night you celebrate a holy festival. Your hearts will rejoice. As when people go up with flutes to the mountain of the Lord, to the rock of Israel, the Lord will cause men to hear his majestic voice and they will see him coming down. The breath of the Lord will set the earth on fire. And here we did this one last week and I'm gonna close with this. We got a couple minutes, one one minute really. Isaiah 32 verse 17. There are warnings to Jerusalem. We talked about them. We're on warning number four, where the Lord rebukes. These are the woes and the warning. He warns them, pride, deceit, drunkenness. He humbles them. He says, don't trust in political intelligence. Don't trust in political intellect and intelligence. Trust in the name of the Lord, your God. He appeals to them. Don't give up, Don't. I've got a plan for you. I did it in, in Genesis. I did it for you in, in the Old Testament. I did it with Jesus on the cross and he'll do it for you today. But he also rebukes us. And he says, you need to be careful about what you're doing, about what you're saying. He's talking to me and you. He's not. We shouldn't point a finger at somebody else and say he's talking to you. I'm saying, God, show me. Let me take that rebuke and then, How powerful, he says, the Lord will defend Jerusalem in chapter 31. And we'll pick up on that one the next time we hit that. And then the Lord delivers. But in Isaiah 32, verse 17, we used this one last week, and I want to use this one here. Yes, Mary, at the twinkle of an eye, God will come. Isaiah 32, verse 17, the fruit of righteousness will be peace. Somebody type in the chat, the fruit will be peace. The fruit will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. There's that word confidence again. Don't mistake confidence in God with arrogance or pride. I can be confident in the word of the Lord. I can be confident in the promise of my Savior. I can be confident that his promise will be fulfilled. Amen? My people will live in peaceful dwelling places. If you're not living in a peaceful dwelling place today, I said it last night, God doesn't want your permanent address to be anxiety and fear and doubt and turmoil. He wants to give you a change of address. God does not want your permanent dwelling place to be fear and doubt and anger and criticism. Yes, Mary Mitri, the fortuitous will be peace. Yes, the fruit of righteousness will be peace. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places. Today, Lord, I thank you for this time that we've had together. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters, pastors that join a little bit later, that we will make our permanent address. We will do a change of address from fear, from rebellion, from pride, from arrogance. We will do a change of address and that the, our new address will be that peaceful dwelling place, that the fruit of our righteousness, our right standing in God, not mine, but that right standing in God, in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, will be a quietness and a confidence forever. So Lord, I pray you bless your children today. Bless their comings and their goings Thank you for healing those who are you are healing. Thank you for restoring those you're restoring. Thank you for providing those you're providing for. Thank you for all my amazing cooks that are out there. I wish I could come over to your house and have some of that homemade uh, pizza. Amy, I wish I could get on a train and come up there and have some of that homemade pizza. One of these days, we're going to be able to do that again. But right now, I want you to eat and feast on the word of the Lord Your permanent address is a place of peace, righteousness, quietness, and confidence that God is in control. So no matter what woes and warnings you hear, remember there is a promise of redemption and restoration. And he has Isaiah 32, 17, a fruitful tree, the peace and the dwelling place. I love you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. God always delivers us, Mary. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. I love looking at all my friends. The fruit will be peace. Yes, Frisia. The fruit will be peace. We might have to remind each other to have peace. (laughs) Sometimes it's a matter of just going to the kitchen and cook something. I'm actually learning to love cooking. And Pastor Rick likes what I'm cooking. (laughs) Love you. See you. Ciao, ciao. See you next week. See you on Sunday, 10 a.m. or 11.45 on campus, 11.45 online. Amen. Um, So either way, we're apart and we're joining. Love you. See you this weekend.